Good morning. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Good Morning From Us. Hi. <laughs> uh, as you can see, it's not exactly morning here yet. Well, at least <clears throat> it's not morning by the standards of morning where the sun rises and we see the sunrise, but that's generally the the grasp, the aim with the show in that we get to see the sunrise as we do the show. I think is that what the game is that what the aim is? I'm not sure. It might be. It might be. I'm a little frustrated. I just did a very long export. I mean, this is the longest video I've exported yet. It's like six hours and forty three minutes and the gigabyte file size is not what the last couple were. So it has me wondering as to why it doesn't why it's being that way. I don't know. Don't know why that is, but it's annoying. Um, so I'm very excited about today's show. We're just gonna we're gonna launch right into it because I don't really have any news for you. I'm trying to think, is there any news? There's no news. The only news I have is I'm here doing a lot of work, been very productive. Yesterday was a very productive day. Uh, and I'm just gonna keep chugging along. So uh, but I've been Man, oh my God. So I'm a huge Nicolas Cage fan, like a ginormous, ginormous Nicolas Cage fan. I love Nicolas Cage movies. It is my goal to see every single Nicolas Cage film ever made. And there's about 100, I think there's about 125 now. And I've seen about 45, maybe about 50. I don't know. I'm in no rush either. Um, but I watch everything everything you know uh all the direct t to uh direct tv movies you know straight to video stuff um and i watch it for his performances it's like watching my favorite athlete you know shoot a basketball or you know score a goal in some way shape or form i in the sport of acting i think there are few that can compete with the brilliance of nicholas cage he's capable of a wide spectrum and variety of of performances and deliveries and we've talked a little about some of that here you know uh it's my opinion this is my i coined this phrase i take full credit for this in that nicholas cage never delivers a bad performance there's no such thing as a bad nicholas cage performance i guess there can be a bad nicholas cage movie but not a bad performance and here's what I here's what I coined. My my coinage is is as follows: Nicholas Cage is a lot like tofu. He's gonna taste like whatever you season him with. And so, really, I don't I don't put you know when Nicholas Cage winds up in a bad movie or a bad situation, I think about the production because I think the caliber of what Cage is capable of is completely predicated on the stuff that he's you know working with in the sense that you could have a really really great car or you could have a really 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 crappy car and put really great gasoline into it or you could have a really 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 great car and put shitty gasoline into it you know what i'm saying and so i think that happens sometimes with nicholas cage but the dude is uh you know, I, I've used this word a lot since I did the Stream of Jay Hawkins video, but it just seems to apply every time I say it. 
the dude is an iconoclast. He is like, uh, he's a seeker. Uh, he's an, uh, he's endlessly searching. He's a student of his craft. He's, you know, um, always out there willing to, you know, tackle anything and do anything. He's unafraid. Let me tell you something about Nicolas Cage. You may not realize this. How many sequels has Nicolas Cage done? How many? Like we can count them on one hand. He's done two sequels. That's right. Two friggin' sequels. He did a sequel to National Treasure and he did a sequel to The Croods. Every single thing that Nicolas Cage has ever done has been an original role in a, in a, in a, in a movie. And that's it. Dude doesn't do sequels. So you can sit here all day and tell me about how, uh, how, how Tom Cruise is an incredible actor and talent. Tom Cruise has done seven Mission Impossible movies, and Nicolas Cage has never repeated a movie unless, you know, it's The Croods or National Treasure. And this is a guy who is, you know, you know he's, he works. And he said this in the previous interview, too, that I really liked. He said, you know, acting is the only profession where it's, like, looked down upon if you, like, like to work and you work all the time, and that's what he does. He, he gets, you know, people like, like criticize him for, for, you know, taking on any job. The dude works. He likes to work. He has money pumps. Oh, you can see the, look, see the sunrise. See that? It's coming. Dawn is breaking everywhere. Spot the candle, curse the glare. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, been on a little bit of a Grateful Dead kick lately. But he, yeah, he just... He, he just does, he just does his thing. And, and I'm just so blown away by what he is, what he's capable of. And there's so many directors that he's worked with, incredible directors, Paul Schrader, Francis Ford Coppola, who's his uncle, by the way, freaking Martin Scorsese. I mean, John Woo, um, Michael Bay. Yes, Michael Bay is a good director. People like give him shit. Michael Bay is great. Who else has he worked with? Uh, he just he's worked with like everybody you could possibly think of, except for a Quentin Tarantino. He needs to do a Quentin Tarantino film. That's that's what's missing from. Oh, he's worked with Werner Herzog. I mean, the dude is a freaking genius. He's he's an icon beyond, a living legend. And he has a brand new interview for a brand new film that he's done called Pig. Now I'd heard about the plot of Pig for, for uh, some time ago. You know, there's always like a thousand Nicolas Cage movies in production. So you hear the, the synopsis a lot and you go, oh, that's great. I can't wait for that to come out. Pig is one of those movies and it's about a, a truffle pig. And Nicolas Cage just has this like deep relationship with the truffle pig. And like the truffle pig gets kidnapped and he has to go after the people who stole his pig. And it's just called Pig. And I'll tell you something. I have not seen this movie. I have not read this interview. I've only watched the trailer. And I already wish that... He's nominated for an Academy Award. As someone who's not qualified to nominate people for Academy Awards, I wish that Nicolas Cage was nominated for an Academy Award. I mean, that's what's funny. You can give this guy all the crap you want for acting in this direct-to-video movie or this movie or that movie. The dude is an Academy Award-winning actor. He won an Academy Award, okay? Has Nicolas Cage won an Oscar? No. I mean, has Tom Cruise, sorry. Has Tom Cruise won an Oscar? No. So, you know, come on. Get off it. Get off it already. Um, 
Pig looks very interesting. And I'm so sad. You know, I'm in Israel right now and I cannot get to a movie theater to see Pig. I don't think they're showing Pig in this territory. You can't you can't see Pig in I don't think in any worldwide territory. I think it's only domestic right now. And it's a real shame because I'd love to see Nicolas Cage just act his ass off as a dude who misses his pig. Because this, this is a guy who, you know, he goes places. You know, he's one of those actors that, you know, he's the type of actor that, like, like takes he takes from, from places and really tries to incorporate it into what he calls his craft. You know, his instrument, his craft. Great example, Raising Arizona, worked with the Coen Brothers. Raising Arizona, he plays a character, I forget the name of the character in Raising Arizona, but he plays a character who is based off, modeled off of Woody Woodpecker. That's right. So his performance in that is from Woody Woodpecker. He has two different acting styles. He's called him, he's called his acting style Western Kabuki. Kabuki is like a a, a Japanese sort of... um, theatrical performance so he's is the western version of that western kabuki and and nouveau shamanism nouveau meaning i think like new and shamanism is this idea that like you know you can kind of be like possessed by spirits i think on some level so it's like every time he does a role it's like he's a he's a shaman he's an acting shaman being possessed by by some spirit that in like he was he was doing a he was doing a ghost rider movie and he like had like an ancient amulet from like some pyramid sewn into the jacket so he could feel the essence of his character. Like that's the type of stuff he does. Drive angry, drinking whiskey out of a friggin' half human skull, you know? Like he's just he he's he's bananas, but in the best way possible. One of the most fascinating people on this planet, if you ask me. All right, so without further ado, well, we're just gonna launch right into it. Trying to get better here with the uh, the intro. So there's our man, and already just look at how he's dressed. He's such a great dresser. He's wearing a leather jacket with a with a leopard print collar. I mean, the dude, and you know, the dude is as punk as it gets. He really is. He's such a he's a punk rocker. The only thing that I I think is kind of like weird about Nicolas Cage that I I wish he would just sort of let go is, you know, the the hair thing, whatever. But the beard, he dyes his beard dark because I think he wants to look either younger or maybe it's a casting thing. I really think he should just let it be gray at this point. Imagine him with a gray beard right now looking like this. That, th- those are goals. Those are goals to, to have at the age of 57. That's old Nicholas Cage. He's 57. He's a grandfather four times over. Old. He's a grandfather four times over. He's a dude who has a famous last name. His last name is Coppola, right? So he could he could bank off of his father uh, his his father's and his uncle's famous last name. Instead he strikes out on his own as as Cage because he's a huge comic book fan. He takes his name from Power Man, aka Luke Cage, Nicholas Cage. He gets, you know, uh John Johnny Depp's first acting role in Nightmare on Elm Street. <clears throat> And he, oh, what was the other thing? And he loves Superman so much. He's so passionate. He almost played Superman. It would have been a great, great thing to see. He's so passionate about Superman that he named his son Kal-El. His son is named Kal-El Cage. Like, 
top like that is that blows my mind. This is a dude who just believes in what he believes in. The the title of this interview by G, from GQ from like three days ago. It's called Nicholas Cage on the magic. Uh, sorry, Nicholas Cage on the magic of working with animals. The legendary actor talks about his meditative new film Pig, communing with his pet crow. He has a pet crow. Nicholas Cage has a pet crow. Um, and the best meal he's ever had. I cannot wait to dive into this. And the, the text is, I'm just going to read it like this. If a, I'll check back for comments in a, in a minute. When you read the plot description, Nicholas Cage plays a guy trying to track down whoever kidnapped his beloved truffle pig. Certain ideas might pop up in your head about a movie you're about to watch. Gun, gunslinging John Wick style action sequences, exaggerated moments of porcine. Porcine, is that how you pronounce that? What does porcine mean? Porcine means of affecting, resembling a pig. Love that. What a what a what a word. Porcine vengeance, pig vengeance, exaggerated moments of pig vengeance, enough yelling to burst an eardrum. But Pig is not that movie. What we got, what we get instead from director Michael uh, Sarnowski is a meditative, tender portrait of loss at once restrained and earthly. Is a meditative and tender portrait of loss at once restrained and earthly. There's only one yelling scene, maybe two. Well, don't spoil it. Come on. As Rob, a former fine dining chef now living in solitude in the Oregon wilderness, Cage gives one of his finest and most emotionally layered performances in years. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. And to hear him tell it, uh, uh, to hear him tell it, it came from a real place of fear. I already had had bad dreams about what I would do if I lost Merlin, my cat. So he named his cat after a wizard that he played in The Sorcerer's Apprentice. No, was he Merlin in The Sorcerer's He's He's in, he plays, no, that's, his name is Balthazar in The Sor Sorcerer's Apprentice. But he has a cat named Merlin. Cage tells me, I had nightmares. And I told this to Michael, the director. I said, I already have it in my psyche, in my imagination, in my emotions. I know how to play this part without acting. Oh my God. I just, I love that, man. I love that. What's going on, Chris? How you doing? Welcome, welcome to the show. Talking about Cage. He says, I he says, I had nightmares and I told this to Michael, the director. I said, I already have it in my psyche, in my imagination, in my emotions. I know how to play this part without acting. When we speak, Cage is calling from the little Tokyo neighborhood of his of, of Los Angeles. He's wearing a cherry red jacket over a t-shirt depicting the character Raideen from the anime Yashura Raiden. So you know that he's into anime too. He was my favorite anime Gundam robot. I used to stay up and watch him all in Japanese, he explains, in his relaxed and contemplative way of speaking. I always thought he was so beautiful. I mean, that's a dude. Look, that's a dude who's just like, he's just into really, really cool shit. And he just like likes what he likes. And he's like, I'm not going to like, I'm not a 57 year old man. I'm Nicolas Cage. I just do what I do. It's like, it's me. I, I, I love his spirit, man. I love everything about this dude. Look at him there with his truffle pig. 
And his gr- see, he looks cool with that gray beard, except that's a b- big bushy beard. If he had trimmed it down and just sort of worn his beard like that, I think he'd, he'd really be on the ball. But that's just my own personal preference for another man's fashion. You know, no. no. Uh, the, the pig's name is Brandy, and Nicolas Cage plays a character named Rob. Um, all right, so here's the former, the formal interview part. Ready? It goes like this. GQ, I enjoyed Pig a lot, although it's tonally, although it's tonally a very different movie from Mandy. See, I'm a little annoyed that they're just going straight to Mandy because that's all, you know, there was like this whole like, it, like it, it was, it was super in vogue and fashion to like really be into Mandy, right? Everyone's like, Mandy this, Mandy that, blah, 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 blah. I love Mandy, by the way. I think Mandy's a great film. But, like, you know, it, it just, I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, I hate it when people just bring, like, there's, he's been in so many movies, and you're going to just bring up Mandy, you know? I, I just, I hate that he gets pegged on Mandy, even though I love Mandy. Although, I don't think, you know, people think that's like a rage cage performance, but I don't really think it's that, you know? Um. There is a through line there of you playing hermit-like guys living out in the woods uh, and losing someone they love. What's drawing you to these types of stories right now? Okay, okay. You know what? I, I, I'm going to take my foot and I'm going to squarely put it into my mouth right now because, like, that's actually a really good question. And I just stopped reading to rant and rave about Mandy and didn't finish reading the question, which is such a stupid thing to do so i apologize for that oh bo is in the house what's up bo ha 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 cage is always awesome but damn chris says but damn i can't believe he was married to elvis's daughter for only a month yeah dude and he was a big elvis fan too big elvis fan nicholas cage says i'm glad you made the comparison between the two because they are about love and loss in my opinion okay so i'm already thinking of what this movie is going to be if they're talking about mandy And I think I have been around now for 57 years and having loved and having lost, I've been drawn to screenplays where I don't feel I have to act so much that I have the life experience or the memories or the pathos. Pathos is a big word, especially when it comes to acting and stories and stuff. The word pathos is important, if you will, where I can just sort of more resonate. So he's resonating in these these roles. Uh, GQ says... You said that the part you've said that the part of your acting style invokes keeping power objects on. <laughs> yes, he talks about the power objects. This is what I was talking about. Remember how I said he has like an amulet? He has like an amulet that he had sewn into the jacket for Ghost Rider. So I guess she's referring to that. You've said that part of your acting style invokes keeping power objects on you whose energy you can draw on in any given scene. Did you have one during pig? This is a great interviewer who's super duper well-read on Nicolas Cage enough to know that. That rules. That friggin' rules, dude. I, I, I'm like, I'm blown away by that. Um, but that's the type of, he's like, it's like when you're acting that way, you're acting from, I guess all actors are acting from feeling, but it's just like, he needs to draw power from power objects just to like hone his performance, man. It's so like magical and wizardly. I love it. I really do love it. Um, Cage says uh, about the power objects, not during pig. Acting 
is imagination and you have to believe to some extent that you can be these characters and that you can be in these situations. Sometimes it needs a little bit of a booster. I remember when I was doing Ghost Rider, I wanted to believe that I was this far out spirit of vengeance. And it was back when London still had Portobello Road and you can get these old curios and antiques. I found these, oh, it was a sarcophagus. I found these old sarcophaguses and these odd black onyx spheres. And I would have them sewn into my jacket. I would have them sew. I, I would have them sewn. I would have them sew them into my jacket. I know that sounds crazy, but it's more of a way of gathering things together for the mind stimulating one's imagination without resorting to harmful things like drugs or over drinking. I think that's what a what a positive, powerful idea. I'm not going to take drugs. I'm not going to drink. I'm going to use antiques that I sew into my clothing, my wardrobe, to channel the power that I need to do this performance. More just accentuating one's imagination in a positive and healthy way, but it requires one to suspend disbelief and to dive in. This is why Nicolas Cage is like the shit to me. This is why he's the man, dude. Truly. Um, in the first, uh, GQ says, in the first part of the film, you're acting across from a pig. Did you have to alter any of your techniques for that? Uh, Nicholas Cage says of the pig, she was like very many of us payment oriented. She was interested in food really and food only understandably. <laughs> He's talking about his pig that he was acting with. She was interested in food really and food only understandably. She wasn't that interested in people and I get that. But if they need a very soulful look in her eyes off camera, you could show her a bit of carrot. She seemed to like that. Brandy was her name, and I enjoyed working with her. I love working with animals. Magical things happen when you have a scene with a dog or a cat, any animal really. I'm immediately immediately reminded of when Nicolas Cage acted with a monkey in the recent direct-to-video uh, movie Primal where he plays a big game hunter trapped on a ship hunting a ghost tiger. And, and he has this, this monkey. No, it's a bird. It's a bird. It's a parrot. And the parrot is like his like sidekick. And he has this blow dart gun and he's blow darting monkeys with the blow darts. Nicholas Cage, dude. It's so great. You got to watch it. Great movie. Primal. Um, GQ says, you've talked a lot about your pets in the past, your cobras. He keeps cobras. Your cobras, your octopus. He has an octopus doing mushrooms with your cat. Did any of the relationships you had with your animals inform how you saw the character of Rob and the bond he has with his pig? He has an, Nicholas Cage has a pet octopus. Uh, Cage says, it had an enormous impact. You don't really have a relationship per se or a closeness in the way that we would like to think with reptiles. That doesn't happen. They really want to be largely left alone. But my cat, Merlin, a Maine Coon I have, and also my German Shepherd Walker, who's no longer with us. These are profound relationships that tr transcend relationships with people even because there are no people-oriented noises to corrupt the relationship, like jealousy or undercutting. Wow, because there are no people 
oriented noises to corrupt the relationship like jealousy or undercutting. It's all unconditional love and it's very close and it's very affectionate and palpable. We've all been through this nightmare of the pandemic and we've all gotten even closer still to our animal brothers and sisters and relied on them heavily. And so, yes, I drew heavily on those relationships. GQ says, I understand you recently got a pet crow as well. Nicholas Cage has a pet crow. His name is Hungin. Huggin. Yes, Huggin. And he's wonderful. He, sim- he seems to understand a little language. When I enter the room, he says hi. When I leave the room, he says bye. He was from the egg. I got him a 16-foot ge- uh, geodesic dome to fly around in. I take him out, and we hang out together, and he's very intelligent. They say crows have the intelligence of an eight-year-old human. That's insane. And I've heard this, too, about COVIDs and crows, and they have like language and stuff. So he has a pet crow named Huggin. Uh, GQ says, speaking of this past year, you work a ton, usually filming several movies a year. Then in 2020, production shuts down and you can't do that. How are you feeling at the time? Nicholas Cage says, quarantine was, for me, very anxiety-inducing because we didn't know where it would lead. And I do enjoy food immensely. That's what I like to spend my money on, going to restaurants and talking to the chef. There's almost That's almost a spiritual part of my life, which is another reason why I thought Rob was such a good part for me because of my genuine regard for chefs and what they can accomplish. He, he's so... And the, you know, his vocabulary is so rich. Like he's so, he seems like such a well-read guy. Look what the word that he's about to use. I can't pronounce this. The Epicurean. What does Epicurean mean? It means uh, a, a disciple or student of the, of the Greek philosopher, of the Greek philosopher Epicurus. The Epicurean culinary world has been very meaningful to me. It always came first without the food. First, I couldn't enjoy the painting or enjoy the music. Wait. It always came first without food. First, I couldn't enjoy the painting or enjoy the music. I put chefs at a very high level in the realm of art. God damn it. I love Nicholas Gage. This dude, I, I, he really is. He blows my mind. But I did have my family and I did have my animals and I caught up on a lot of viewing. I watched a lot of movies, which I think is among the best way, uh, best ways to stay on point with the craft of film performance. So I got a lot done, but still I did miss. Wow. They've got soft shell crab. I really wish I could have that soft shell crab and combined it with some nice, with a, with some nice bit of Chardonnay. I have a bit of a frog in my throat. You'll have to excuse me. <clears throat> um, GQ says, I'm glad you brought up the culinary aspect because the film touches on how a really great meal can invoke deep sensory memories, even years in the future. What's a meal that does that for you? Oh, man. Ready? He says, I don't mean to out my father, who's no longer with us. This is Cage talking. But I remember when I was nine years old, he brought home a bucket of KFC and a bucket of champagne. I'll be darned if that wasn't the best 
taste combination I've ever had. It was like this American tempura. <laughs> He's Nicholas Cage. All right, sorry. I have to like revel in everything that he says for a second. Nicholas Cage has just said that KFC is like American tempura. Tempura is like the Japanese way of like deep frying stuff. And he's calling KFC American tempura. That's how his mind thinks. That's a that's his viewpoint of the world. He doesn't think of KFC as some lowly, you know, crappy whatever. He's like, no, no, it's just American tempura. I wish I had a better Nicolas Cage impression. I don't. So he goes, so he goes, it was like this American tempura. And of course, he also poured me a glass of champagne to go with it. I don't recommend for other folks who have nine-year-olds to give them champagne, but that combination did have an impact on me. So he's very self-conscious. He doesn't want to like, you know, make his dad look bad and yada, yada. I mean, whatever. It was the moment. He was in the moment with his son having this amazing memory. I mean, here's Nicolas Cage remembering this thing that happened 48 years ago. Father's no longer with him. You know, I, I can't I, I can't knock his dad for that or, or knock Nicolas Cage for that. Um, he said... When I was even younger, he said, wait, wait, wait. When I was even younger, he said, take this goat cheese and have this glass of red wine and sip it. Now, isn't that something? Doesn't the taste linger? Don't you appreciate the aftertaste? Don't you see how the red wine and the goat cheese go together, Nicholas? Even weirder still, this is one of my earliest memories. My father had taken all of us to Italy and I was about four for whatever the reason, he had left me with all these nuns. The rest of the family had gone out. They had given me this very spicy kind of stew and this very fermented drink that tasted like licorice. And I remember having that and then the nuns rocking me on a bed to get me to sleep. Later, my father said that was fox stew and they were giving you an anesthet drink to help you sleep. And that's, the, that's some sort of licorice. Like anise? Anise? Like the... Sorry, guys, I suck. Uh, Anith, Anaset, Anaset, Anise, Anaset. Uh, a liqueur favored with Anise, Aniseed. So it was like a, a, like a boozy sort of licorice drink. So those are my earliest memories. And you can see how profound the culinary element brings me right back. That's amazing. Remembering something from 53 years ago. GQ says, yeah, that stuff, that stuff sticks with you for life. You have a big monologue at the end. Oh, come on. Stop fucking spoiling the movie. I don't want to know he has a big monologue. I just want to watch it. You have a big monologue at the end of the film where you say the line, we don't get a lot of things to really care about. At this point, what are things you really care about? <clears throat> Cage says, that was, in fact, the line that really put the hook in me to make the movie. At some point during the filmmaking process, somebody wanted to cut the line. I said, no, 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 no. That's the line. That's why. That's why I wanted to play Rob. That's what we can all relate to. The things I care about with the risk of sounding cliche, but they're cliche for a reason. I care about my boys. I care about my animals. I care about my work. And I certainly care about my wife. My loves that I've had in the past with different people that I've become intimate with. Those memories are profound, the good and the bad. I accept them all. They're all informative and forming. They all sculpt me in some way and make it possible for me to be able to share my feelings and memories in the characters that I play, 
in a way that I hopefully don't have to act too much. So interesting, man. Um, GQ says, one thing I was curious about was early last year, you were photographed with your now wife visiting your tomb in New Orleans. Is this a site you visit often? And if so, what's the journey like for you? Um, Cage says, when you enter a new love, you want to show her where you went to school. This is my old neighborhood. I grew up in this house. When I was in Japan, when I met Raiko, Riko, I wanted to see the places that were meaningful to her, the shrines in Kyoto. New Orleans is like the other city I grew up in. So it was meaningful for me to show her New Orleans, to show her Hollywood Boulevard. Although that ridiculous story that came out in the media that I took her to my star on the Walk of Fame, no, I didn't go to my star. I never found my star. We weren't looking for that. We were looking, we went looking to show her Mifun and Godzilla. The Japanese icons. I wanted to share the areas that were important to me, New Orleans being one of them. This interview has been edited and condensed. That's annoying. I wish it wasn't. <coughs> and so there it is. It's frog in my throat. But it doesn't have... You know, I thought this interview was going to have... He recently spoke... Let's see if I can find it before we say goodbye here. Nicholas Cage. Let's see here. <clears throat> I can't... There, there was... Um, There was a thing. Oh, here's one. Wow. This is interesting, too. Uh, there's another Nicolas Cage movie that's coming out that I can't wait for called uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, and this is a film about where Nicolas Cage is going to play Nicolas Cage, like a, like a crazy version of Nicolas Cage. And it seems like the ultimate... You know, Nicolas Cage has played every kind of role imaginable. He's, I mean, when you look at the layers that he's done in Face Off, we've talked about this previously, but I just want to say, yeah, that's right. He just wanted to see the upstairs at Graceland, which is why he married Priscilla Presley. Um, a crazy version. I don't know what you mean, crypto, Cryptomeria. You got to explain. Um, this movie the unbearable weight of massive talent is Nicolas Cage basically is like the snake eating the tail in the sense that Nicolas Cage is like, he's done everything there is to do. He's even played a movie where he played a set of twins. He's played a movie. He's done a movie in, in, in face off where he had to, it's Nicolas Cage as caster Troy, who then has to be John Travolta's character who then has to be John Travolta's character pretending to be caster Troy. Like the levels that he has to do in his mind to make this work. You know what I'm saying? He's done everything there is to do. But now, Nicolas Cage made the unbearable weight of massive talent for the audience of film, which he plays a fictionalized version of himself. Nicolas Cage says he will never see his upcoming movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. The 57-year-old actor will, for, uh, will first be seen in Pig. His new film has been widely praised, received a certified fresh rating of 98% on Rotten Tomatoes with critics recognizing it as being an intelligent and moving depiction in Pig. 
uh, Cage stars as a truffle hunter in Oregon, blah, 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 who must return to his hometown of Portland after his beloved pig has been kidnapped. Then, in the unbearable weight of massive talent, Cage plays a fictionalized version of himself. The action comedy set to premiere in 2022. Actually, it almost kind of sounds like something that Ben Stiller would direct. That's another guy I would love to see Nicolas Cage star with. Ben Stiller and Nicolas Cage would be great in something, maybe in something directed by Ben Stiller. Uh, Once the celebrated, crazed, but still desirable star of hits like Moonstruck, Raising Arizona, and Leaving Las Vegas, the latter netting him an Academy Award for Best Actor, Cage launched himself into a myriad of commercial films while National Treasure was well-received and birthed a generation of younger fans after it. Films like The Sorcerer's Apprentice and Ghost Rider's Spirit of Vengeance were both critical flops, but they were both fun movies. I, nuts is not the, not the cryptomera. Nuts is not the right word, I would say. He's, he's not pretty nuts to begin with. He's just, he's, as I said earlier, he's an, he's an, an eccentric iconoclast. It wasn't long before Cage became somewhat of a punchline in Hollywood with panned films like Arsenal and Left Behind barely registering in the public sphere beyond mockery. Who cares? Now suddenly Cage has gone into a renaissance. That's right. We're in the cage From his vengeful boyfriend in Mandy to his silent warrior in Wally's, Willie's Wonderland, which I have not finished. I have to finish watching that. To even a stab at the infamous Joe Exotic in Amazon's now canceled Tiger King series, which is such a shame. He was going to play Joe Exotic. I could think of nobody better to play Joe Exotic than Nicolas Cage. It would have been perfect, you know. Um, Cage has reached the novelty phase of his career, usually good fortune. You know, I, I can't, I we already talked about this to some extent in the beginning part of this uh, video, so I'm not going to like dwell on it, but go back and watch the beginning of this video where I kind of talk about that and why I, I don't, dis- I, I disagree with what you're saying, but just go and watch it. You'll see what I'm saying. Still, the actor isn't going to watch himself in the unbearable weight of massive talent, he told Variety. That was the interview. Fuck, it was a Variety interview. The GQ interview, but there's also a Variety interview. Shit. Um, In the movie, he plays himself sort of. Cage's character is a version of himself in need of money who agrees to appear at the party of a billionaire superfan, but the actor is secretly a CIA informant tasked with gathering intel on the fan who's a notorious drug lord, and things only get wilder from there. Ultimately, the entertainment value of the film is a gift he wanted to give the world, he explained. I will never see this movie. I'm told it's a good movie. I'm told people love it and are enjoying the ride, but I made it for the audience. It's too much for me to go into the premiere and sit there with everybody. Psychologically, that's too bizarre and whacked out for me. I can, I can understand that. Um. Plenty of actors have made career-long vows to escape watching themselves on screen. Julianne Moore, Tom Hanks, and Emma Stone all claim they never see their own movies. Even Zack Snyder didn't watch the original Justice League, despite technically being the sole credit director. But, I mean, Josh Whedon really directed majority of that film. Terrible, terrible. The Snyder Cut is so much better. Um, All right, let's see. All right, guys, we're going on a little bit of a hunt here because now I have to look up. uh, How long is this thing? No, it's just a short little. All right, let's look at this one. Yeah, this was the thing that he talks about. All right, cool. Let's 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 look at this as our final as our final piece. That's what this is what I really wanted to dwell on as well. 
Uh, just give me a second to share my screen. <sighs> Got to tell you, this like, thing in my throat sucks. I hate it. It's better than having a runny nose, though. I wouldn't say I'm sick. <coughs> I got something viral in my throat. It's not fun. Um, pig star, Nicholas Cage, on abandoning Hollywood, I've gone into my own wilderness. And that's not just some bullshit excuse. That is so the truth, man. He, you know, you know, because the thing is, Nicholas Cage still does big movies. Like, for instance, he's doing The Croods, too, as we spoke spoke about. I mean, the dude does everything. He goes where his, his heart and his mind and his pocketbook takes him. And no one, no one can deny, can deny it. You know what I'm saying? What's going on, crazy white boy? How's Baltimore doing? I hope it's not uh, burning from the, the hot heat that I'm hearing about in the States. Yes, I heard. I hear Hollywood is kind of burning at the moment. This is true. This is true. All right, let's read, shall we? Let's let's jump in. Nicholas Cage instinctively knew how to play Rob in the uh, melancholic truffle forager at the center of Pig. The indie film explores Rob's connection to his pet pig and his tortured relationship with his past uh, with his past celebrity as a renowned chef. Cage, one of the top action stars in the late 1990s, which is true. Imagine these are the films he did in a row. Fucking he did Face Off, Con Air, and The Rock. Like the golden trifecta of Hollywood 90s action movies. You don't think of Cage as an action star either. That's what's so crazy. He goes from winning Academy Awards or he goes from being a crazy action star to winning Academy Awards. Like, people don't understand. People just don't get it. Um, Cage, one of the top action stars of the late 1990s and early aughts, related to Rob's complicated feelings about fame and shared a desire to live off the grid. I do feel like I've gone into my own wilderness and that I've left the small town that is Hollywood, Cage says. I don't know exactly why Rob left his stardom. It's never fully explained. And I like that about the movie. But as for me, I don't know if I'd want to go back. I don't know if I'd want to go and make another Disney movie. It would be terrifying. It's a whole different climate. There's a lot of fear there. Cage is no longer the box office draw that he was when headlined comic book. Cage is no longer the box office draw he was when he headlined comic book films like 2007's Ghost Rider and Jerry Brockheimer. Bowem ups like 1996 The Rock and 1997's Con Air. He spent the last decade or so popping up in low budget fare, some of it forgettable. Kill Chain, anyone? Yes, I've seen Kill Chain. Nicholas Cage isn't really in Kill Chain that much. Um, like I said, I'm on, as I said at the beginning of this video, I am on a quest to see every single Nicholas Cage film out there. What's up, Nick Bianco? How you doing? Hope you're well. Nicholas, uh, Nick says, those action movies still hold up. Could watch and enjoy those today. 100%. 100%, Nick. I watch them, uh, you know, I revisit them, you know, regularly and enjoy them to the fullest. Every one of them. Uh, they're, they're wonderful. They're truly, truly wonderful. And the rewatch value is endless. And yes, that's right. Uh, that's right, John B. Uh, uh, John Woo never runs out of bullets. And Nick lets us know he's always good. Um, Nick, I hope you're enjoying the, the ride. 
I, I saw the post on Facebook. I think that's awesome. And I hope it's, I hope it's as awesome as, as it seems where I see people, you know, driving, driving those things on the road, if you know what I'm referring to. Um, <clears throat> so, so kill chain, I mean, kill chain was not great. No, it was not that great. Uh, some criminally underseen one, uh, some criminally underseen as well as the case with his tender turn in David Gordon Green's Joe. Joe was from 2012. Phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Great, great film. A really, really great character piece, truly. Um, but Cage says even when he was riding high, he had some, uh, he, he sometimes bristled at the commercial constraints that were imposed upon his performances. This is what I found truly fascinating. This was fascinating. Um, whoa. So John B. Juice's name is, in fact, Joe. How about that? Um, when I was making Jerry Brockheimer movies back to back, there was just uh, that was just a high pressure game. There were a lot of fun moments, but at the same time, there were also we wrote this line. It has to be said this way. Cage remembers. They'd put a camera on you and photograph you and order you. Now say the roller skate training wheels line. I'd say, I'll do that, but I'd also like to try it this way because Nicolas Cage is, a is an animal that needs to just go where he feels, as we spoke about, as we've spoken early on about him being like, you know, needing like uh, power, you know, um, what's it called? Uh, uh, he uses power objects to channel his energy into a performance, sewing them into his clothing. You know, he, he wants to try things. He's like, okay, I'd like to try it this way. On independent movies, you have more freedom to express, to experiment and be fluid. There's a lot less pressure and there's more oxygen in the room. Pig was an opportunity for Cage to remind movie watchers that he's capable of doing subtle work after a stretch of scaling operatic heights in films such as Mandy and Prisoners of Ghostland. I don't think I've seen Prisoners of the Ghostland yet the latter of which had him acting out what it would be like to have a testicle blown off. I will say this. There is, I just recently watched a batshit Nicolas Cage film where he, he basically spoilers. He, he pours gasoline over his head and sets himself on fire. And he's like, there's like ghost possession. It's crazy. <laughs> Nicolas Cage. Um, <clears throat> I want to remind I want to remind myself and also remind some of the folks perhaps in the audience or in the media that I could also apply myself to a much more quiet and measured performance style. 100% dude, 100 friggin' percent. That's what he's doing. And you want to know something for the most part, you know, people like to always dwell on Mandy because he goes, you know, he, he, get, he has this scene where he loses his friggin' mind. But the first part of that movie he is so restrained and quiet he doesn't talk much he's capable of this type of performance you know what i mean it's just like it's not just all like you know him doing the vampire's kiss which is one of his favorite films apparently he 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 wanted he sent out a p like a pa or so or an assistant he wanted live vampire bats to be around him on set during vampire's kiss like his like his life is 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 like the story of legends. You know what I'm saying? Like it's crazy. It's so crazy. Um 
So I wanted to, uh, he says, I had gone on this, uh, I had gone on this tear mission almost to kind of break form with film performance and what was considered good performance by being naturalistic or photorealistic or minimalistic. (coughs) Mind you, Nicholas Cage has a production company called Saturn Films. They've put out a ton of films, direct video films that Nick stars in, but also they put out Shadow of the Motherfucking Vampire, one of the greatest vampire films ever made, which is about the making of Nosferatu, the German expressionist film, starring Willem Dafoe as Max Schreck, aka an actual vampire. Uh, and, and the whole concept is that that Max Schreck was an actual vampire hired by F.W. Murnau to, uh, when making Nosferatu in 1920 uh, in Germany, 1921. And Nicolas Cage doesn't star in this movie. He's just a producer. You don't see Nicolas Cage's name like all over the marquee used to sell the film. It's just like, he just deeply cared about this project and like wanted to make it happen. And I have so much respect for him that he could do that and that he probably would have done a great job as Max Shrek too. Although nobody, nobody could, no, nobody could top Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe just, you know, he, he crushed that. He crushed it, you know? Um, <clears throat> for films like prisoners of Ghostland, cage says he choreographs each beat of his performance and applies a style of acting. We talked about this already. Western Kabuki theater, one that draws on offbeat vocalizations, German expressionalism and unbridled intensity to create a style all its own. So when people are talking about, Oh, Nicholas Cage is crazy. Blah, 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 it's like, no, you just don't get what he's trying to do. He's like, got like a whole science behind this in what he's trying to do. Um, I think it's freaking great. Memes, scores of them have been devoted to the scenery chewing results because that's what it ends up being. It, it is, it's scenery chewing, but in the best way ever. Uh, it's, it's also inspired a devoted following with no less an expert than Ethan Hawke praising Cage as the only actor since Marlon Brando that's actually done anything new with the art of acting. Whoa, freaking Ethan Hawke crushing it with the quotes. He's so right, dude. He's so right. Um, it created a kind of culture of what has been labeled cage rage, Cage says. I'm glad it landed. I'm glad it communicated. I'm glad that there was an id, either an id or an id. I think he's saying id there that I shared with other folks in the cinema that were interested. With Pig, he opted to do something different. I just wanted to show up on set, walk into a room and carry whatever my life experiences, whatever my memories were, uh, whatever my bad dreams last night were, and just tell this story. So he said, and he said in the other interview as well, he just wants to act as little as possible. Cage says, I wanted to get back to a much more haiku for a lack of a better word. So he calls KFC fried chicken as American tempura and he calls this style of acting as it's more of a haiku for a lack of a better word, style of performance, haiku performance. When I say that, I mean it quite literally. Haiku is five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. And it's really the quiet spaces that you're led to contemplate that are inspired by the words 
and the syllables. That's what this film is like. So pig is a, is a character study haiku. Or actually, as it says here, pig isn't just a character study. The film also examines the intense bonds that can develop between humans and animals. In Rob's case, his truffle-hunting pig is his best friend and sole source of unconditional love. For Cage, there's a similar bond with his cat, Merlin. Cage says, we, we saw this in the other interview. I was always close with my animals, Cage says. I think a lot of people that are in the public eye probably feel this way as well. There is a truth there. Sometimes when you meet someone who knows you from a movie but doesn't know you as you, they want to undercut you in some way or see you as competition. You don't get that with animals. So animal relationships become the, close, uh, uh, become the closest to family. They become the ones that have nothing to hide and just want to share this moment together with you. Pig opens July 16th. It's been four days. It's already, already opened. And reviews are hailing it as a return to form for Cage. But don't expect the actor to abandon his outre, outra projects. Cage will soon be seen in the unbearable weight of massive talent playing a fictionalized version of himself. An aging star was enlisted to help the CIA. Uh, and we already read this quote, but I'll read it one more time. I will never see this movie, Cage says. I'm told it's a good movie. I'm told that people love it and are enjoying the ride, but I made it for the audience. It's too much for me to go to the premiere and sit there with everybody psychologically. That's too bizarre and whacked out for me. There you have it, folks. There you have it. Woo! Well, that was a fun ride. Uh, and wow, we're coming in under an hour, which always makes me happy because I can just talk and talk and talk. I mean, ideally, these sort of shows should be about an hour long. You know, the misfit stuff can go on and on when we're doing like a thing where we're really talking with the the audience, uh, the whatever whoever's on, you know, leaving comments. Um, so a big video is coming. Big video is dropping very very soon. It's six hours and forty six minutes long, and it basically stitches together the entirety of the Scream with Me uh, deep dive series that we did last summer. Uh, I'm sort of doing reruns at the moment. I'm waiting till I get back to the states to really dive into more Misfits stuff. There is one idea I have for an episode that I might be able to do out here. Kind of makes sense if I can get a high resolution. Uh, image uh, that I need in order to do it, but I might just leave that for the states as well. Um, and yeah, like I said, very busy out here doing a lot of stuff. If you enjoyed this content, please make sure to like, share, subscribe. Um, if you want to uh, contribute to the cause, you can buy a coffee, um, join the Patreon, uh, buy a t shirt, many different ways to support. And uh, that's basically it. So we'll see you next time. Stay safe and healthy out there. This is Jeff Brummis, peace and hair grease.